Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Common Sense with Dr. Ben Carson. You know, growing up in Detroit and Boston and then going to college in New Haven and medical school in Ann Arbor and then coming to Baltimore, all very liberal places. So naturally, I was a liberal. And then I did something liberal that I'm supposed to do. I listened to a conservative that happened to be Ronald Reagan. I said, he sounds just like my mother. But uh, today... We see more and more minorities, particularly blacks, who are voting for conservatives. And I used to go to conservative outings and be the only black face there. That's not true anymore. And you see more and more people asking people in the minority community to some of the liberals, what have you done for me lately? It's a valid question, a question we will explore with our wonderful guest today, Candace Owens of Daily Wire, The Candace Owens Show, and the director of a new movie. You may not have heard about it yet. The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, a film I'm sure the left is not interested in you or me or anybody else seeing. Candace Owens is with us. Welcome, Candace. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, I'd like to ask you about your journey to conservatism, or were you always a conservative? Were you born a conservative? What happened? You know what? I would say that I was born a conservative. My journey to republicanism is totally different. Um, and what I mean by that is I was raised in a household uh, with my grandparents, and my grandparents led with conservative principles, but they never gave it a name. They never voted Republican. My, my, parent, my grandparents abstained completely from politics, but they put faith at the forefront of everything. They put family just below faith. So it was God, it was about family, and it was about hard work. And so it was the lessons that were caught, not the lessons that were taught, that I think would deem me to have been born and raised a conservative. But of course, I went to school and I was embarrassed about how faithful my grandfather was and that we had to read the Bible every day uh, sitting at the breakfast table and that he would go around the table and make us answer questions about what we had read. When you get into school, you want to be cool, right? And this is where I fell into liberalism, right? 
it's freeing to not be with your grandparents. It's freeing not to listen to all those lessons of, of from the Bible. If you're a cool kid, you don't talk about the Bible. And so obviously I went into that pattern and became an all-consumed liberal. But I never voted and had abstained from voting. But I did cry the night that Barack Obama won because racism's over, of course. Barack Obama's president, and this is an amazing win. And the left has had that ability to seize the cultural conversation where people who are absent very little facts are identifying with an individual on the basis of their color or their creed, and, and they just go with that. So I was an example of that. The story of my transformation takes place in 2015 when, when Trump came down the escalator, and I just was right in line with the left's perspectives and said, no, he cannot be president. That would be very, very bad. Of course, that would be very bad. He doesn't know. He says you're fired. That would be terrible. And But I thought it was weird that despite having loved him for 20 years as he was in the public space, they then started saying a little too much. They went a little too far and a little too extreme, started calling him a racist and a rapist and incestuous and misogynist. And so it just sort of clicked to me and I just went, okay, you had me at shouldn't be president, but you did a little extra here. And I began to wonder uh, whether or not they were telling me the truth. And I watched him give a speech. It was a notorious speech in Dimondale, Michigan, where he turned to black America and he sort of gave his elevator pitch, right? He said, black America, your poverty rates, just listed all the factual ways in which black America was suffering. And then he turned around and he said, what do you have to lose? You know, take a chance on something different. And I went, that's a pretty decent pitch, right? You're not saying you're the best, but you're definitely saying you're not the worst, right? And um, I was very shocked when I looked at CNN and MSNBC the next morning. My trusted sources over at CNN and MSNBC were saying that he looked us in the face and told black America that we were filthy, that we were homeless, and he was a racist. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I watched that speech live. That's not true. And I sort of went through this period where I started that was it. I just questioned my relationship with the media. And I make it sound funny now, but it was very scary at the time. Uh, I, I suffered through a period of cognitive dissonance. I wondered if I was going crazy. And then I decided that the best next step, the easiest next step was for me to start reading all of those Uncle Toms that I had known. Right. And so I started picking up a book from Dr. Ben Carson, Dr. Thomas Sowell, Dr. Condoleezza Rice, uh, Clarence Thomas. I started reading black conservatives who I had dismissed as being traitors to their race. And, you know, God has a sense of humor. Obviously, it's the number one thing that I get called now. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just sort of joined the club. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's fascinating because, you know, I, I went through sort of a similar transition uh, as a young attending neurosurgeon in Baltimore. And I was seeing all of these patients who were perfectly capable of taking care of themselves who were being taken care of by the government. And I started saying, you know, there's something really abnormal going on here. I'd had an inkling of it, you know, as a youngster because my mother... You know, my parents were divorced early on, and she had to take care of us. And she worked three jobs at a time because she didn't like the idea of government welfare. And uh, so I had a sense of it already and the way that she handled money and did things. But uh, it really crystallized as I started thinking, why is it that these people are being kept in poverty? And uh, why is no one really interested 
and elevating them. People are just interested in keeping them comfortable and in that setting. And it really made me start thinking a lot. But you are associated probably as the creator of the word Lexit. Uh, how did that come about? You know, so once I had dealt with that period of cognitive dissonance and had accepted that I was not, in fact, crazy and that the people that I had dismissed were telling the truth the entire time, I became very angry because it seemed to me that my life was intentionally attempting to be directed into this terrible place, right? Why would you want black mm -hmm. Americans to do bad? Why would you want us to be dependent on the government? Why wouldn't you come to us in our youth and say, you can do anything in this amazing country? And then you start to see that there's something more Machiavellian going on, which is that the government wants to grow itself and black Americans are an easy target because of this perceived historical wrongs um, that they believe can never be righted. And so I then became very vocal and said, okay, if if I am now free from these lies, I, I know that I need to wake up the rest of the black Americans. And so I just began telling the truth on YouTube and realized that it wasn't enough to just scream the truth. I wanted to become the kind of black conservative that wasn't too polite. And what I mean by that is I started wondering, okay, why didn't I like know? Like, I, I obviously knew Dr. Ben Carson existed. I knew that Condoleezza Rice existed. Why was it I just accepted that they were traitors to the race? And I realized it was because you guys are so educated <laughs> and right, you know, so educated that when people say these awful things about you, you don't punch back because you understand that it's punching down, right? I wanted to punch down and back. <laughs> and I wanted to say, no, these guys are right. And we are taking back this culture. And if you come at me and you call me a race traitor, I'm going to have words for you. And I think that that really surprised people. And so I created Blexit. It came about because I wanted to create a cultural movement where suddenly it was cool to be a black conservative. And if they called you a name, you could be like, if they called you stupid, you could be like, I'm stupid. No, you're stupid. You know, and I knew that it had to start there. And despite it being sort of that rhetoric sort of being beneath, it needed to start there because that was that is where black Americans were seized culture. Right. Yeah. You know, the words of Jay-Z became more important than the words of a Dr. Ben Carson. And so I had to go after the idols. I had to call Jay-Z stupid and they just couldn't believe. Oh, my God. Who is this? How dare she insult <laughs> the queen and the king? And I'm like, bring me your queens and bring me your kings because they're all idiots. And so I launched Blexit and uh, really started with this passion to truly educate black Americans. And we were able to do that. We grew this organization. We are now in 41 states and we run an after school program in inner cities because we realize this gap. You have these black women that are growing up, uh, I mean, that are raising children in these single parent homes and they're working so hard and their kids are turning to the street because they don't have two parents in the home. So we said, we'll take the kids. We will pick them up on buses. We'll start an after school program. We will try to undo all of the victim training that is happening in the classroom and what time we have with them after school. We also run a summer camp program. We take them outside of their neighborhoods to have experiences because I believe that experiences can trump the dogma. And it has been the thing that is the closest to my heart. These kids are amazing and they are realizing that they have an opportunity. All they need really is just an opportunity and we want to give it to Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Well, you're very courageous and very articulate and uh, express that very well. 
But it's, it, there's also always been a tendency to try to keep the black community divided. Uh, and that started all the way back in the times of slavery, when the particularly the slave owners in places like Mississippi and Alabama were very concerned because there were actually more slaves than there were owners. And uh, they feared an uprising. So they would tell the slaves in the house that they were better than the ones in the yard. The ones in the yard, they were better than the ones in the field and keep this internal turmoil going all the time. And then after slavery, the light-skinned ones, you're better than the medium-skinned ones, you're better than the dark-skinned ones. And there's always been a way to keep them divided. And of course, now uh, they want to make sure that conservative blacks and liberal blacks don't combine forces. Uh, so they try to create tension and hatred there as well. And, uh, you know, I think some of the things that you're doing are really helping to alleviate some of that tension, so I appreciate it. But what about Black Lives Matters? Uh, what's your diagnosis there? I first want to respond to what you just said because it was the exact words I needed to hear this week. <laughs> I've spent this entire week defending Kyrie Irving and defending my friendship with Ye, and there's been this media peer pressure for me to dump Kanye West because I'm better than him and he's made a mistake, and this media peer pressure for black Americans to speak out and to say something wrong about Kyrie Irving. And I have felt over the last month very spiritually conflicted because there are so many people telling me that this is what I should do, right? These people are bad. Mm -hmm. But then there's a part of me that's going, no, this has gone on for too long. You keep telling black people not to support each other, right? I want to mm -hmm. create an ecosystem where we can support black people when they're wrong and we can support black people when they're right and that we can just support one another full stop. And I think that it removes, people love to talk about black power and what black power means. Well, it starts with relationships. And that is the Absolutely. number one thing that has been fractured. And to just hear you say that and describe, I guess to put words to what I've been feeling spiritually, that people are telling me to turn my back on people in my own race. Uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to tell you that it arrived in just the right moment. So it was just God Good. making <laughs> us do this podcast this week when I've had such an emotional three weeks with this entire situation yeah. going on. Well, there's another, another reason for it also. When you look at wealth and wealth creation, there is more than a trillion dollars of wealth in the black community. There's only 10 countries in the world that have a trillion dollar GDP. So just to put that in perspective. But what do some other communities do? Uh, you look at uh, many of the Middle Eastern communities, the Jewish communities. They turn the dollar over in their own community two or three times before they send it out. It creates a tremendous amount of wealth, uh, and then they pull each other up. In the black community, that doesn't happen. The money is either sent out immediately or when somebody is climbing, the others kind of pull them back rather than promote them. And uh, I call it the crabs in the barrel phenomenon. And we, we clearly need to get over that because an enormous amount of wealth could be generated. And it's not about black power or white power. It's about green power, as A.G. Gaston said. It's, and it I mean, makes like, a huge difference in terms of being able to determine your own destiny. I, I, I'm actually sitting here shocked that you're saying all this to me because there was an element of this that Ye obviously intentionally blew up himself. 
and blew up his deal with Adidas, blew up his deal with Gap, did it intentionally, sort of goaded them. And then I was very surprised that I was so, so worried for him. I'm like, this is a billion dollars. You're burning billions of dollars in a couple of days. And the first conversation that I had with him afterwards, he said to me, no, I'm finally free. And now I can start my own economy. And mm-hmm. to hear you put the words to that of what he is trying to do and is not communicating effectively is giving me the clarity and the, sh- the perspective that I need to know that I do need to stand behind him because he is trying to correct wrongs, whether yes. or not he's taking the right approach and how he's doing it. Of course, we can debate all day, but there's he's doing something. Well, thank you for, for backing him up. I, I had a chance to uh, talk to him for about an hour on the phone a couple of years ago. He's actually a very intelligent man. I know. So uh, he he does need some support. I appreciate that. But speaking of other great things, this movie, The Greatest Lie Ever Sold, uh, George Floyd and the Rise of BLM. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I had to, again, go after the idols, whether that be a Beyonce or a Jay-Z or a bizarre marriage that black America had to bad narratives. And one of the worst narratives that ever appeared on the scene was Black Lives Matter, right? Because it's what the left always does. They give you words that sound really good. But when you look beneath the layer, look beneath the surface of those words, it is the exact opposite of what they are pitching always, every single time. Right. Even if you're talking about um you know, pro-choice is it actually like nothing about what they're doing. It's there's no choice for the infant. This is what they're very good at. And Black Lives Matter, of course, was leading to more black death, obviously. And beyond leading to more black death, it was recreating what already happened when there were riots in the 60s in these inner cities and all the wealth left the inner cities. Because obviously, if you're a business owner and you have a business in Minneapolis and it's now being looted over and over again and you have these autonomous zones in these inner cities where all the black people are, you're a business, you're going to pick up your business and you're going to leave, right? Because it's no longer safe. And I always recognized that this was going to be this extraction of wealth, again, from black communities transferred to who knows where. And so I had to explore where the money went with Black Lives Matter because I knew that it was not going to be to further black lives. And I knew that these individuals were actually preaching Marxism, the further destruction Mm -hmm. of nuclear family unit, which is so crucial for black Americans to be able to get back to a place that we were in the 1950s when families were together, uh, more together at least, I think 23% versus the 74% single motherhood rate that we have today. And I did exactly that. I went on a journey and I told people why it was personal to me because when I kind of broke that conversation about George Floyd and asked a very simple question, why are we in our community, why are we the only ones that give a platform to criminality? Like, show me another community. Chinese, Japanese, Jewish, give me any other race in America and show me the community that comes out and cries when there are criminals that are arrested, that are in the middle of being arrested for their ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th time, die in the middle of an arrest. It's only us. Right. And it's an important conversation to have. Why is that? Who is telling us that we need to get out and defend our criminals while we attack our intellectuals? Right. Yeah. Well, so at the same time that we're saying bury George Floyd in a gold casket, we are saying that Dr. Ben Carson and Dr. Connalisa are race traders. That right. is so wrong and so backwards. And when I said that, 
it came for me. The monster came for me. And I basically looked that monster back in the face and said, oh, no, I'm ready to get back on your level. I'll do an entire documentary exposing exactly what you are. And what it ended up being was a lot of, in my estimation, money laundering into a bunch of other organizations that are pro-trans. So millions and millions of dollars went to transgendered organizations. Is there anything that is more antithetical to the concept of family than convincing women that they're men and men that they're women and encouraging them to mutilate their own bodies? Of course not. And there are, as I said, the documentary was a beginning. People should be very upset and angry and they should see how much wealth was extracted, how criminality was exacerbated, and they should want more answers. Well, be careful because you're exposing a lot of myths and they're not going to like it. (laughs) They're not going to like you. They're going to really want to shut you up. I know. And uh, I'll be praying for, for your safety. Thank you so much. Um, but also, you know, with the whole George Floyd thing, it was played incessantly, 24-7. You would have thought that black men were being slaughtered by police all the time. In fact, I had some friends who live in Australia, and we were talking to them. They said, why are the police killing all the black men over there? <laughs> A global <laughs> and, lie. Of course, the real statistics, instead of thousands of black men being murdered by police, the great bastion of conservatism, the Washington Post, said that, in fact, the number is less than two dozen in a year. And police officers are 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black man than the other way around. And you're talking about over 55 million police civilian encounters a year. So we're talking a very tiny number, but they intentionally try to make it seem like it's something that's going on constantly. Yeah, and I think the intention behind that was to turn black Americans against the police force and to, again, inspire more criminality because you remove police officers, you start saying that you want to defund the police, you know it's going to harm inner city communities first and foremost, and that you know that something else is going to have to rise in its place because people need authority. And the authority that rises up when the police are told to leave, gangs. Gangs. And that's, that's what is the story of George Floyd Square today in Minneapolis where he died. It's a gang culture. It's still an autonomous zone. You can get shot and killed. Absolutely. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You know, we were discussing Black Lives Matter before the break, and uh, conservatives have been fighting the cultural war. And you, Candace, have been very outspoken about the destruction of black culture Mm. through things like abortion, 
and educational standards. What can you tell us about abortion and, and education in the black community that's so destructive? You know, it is not an overestimation to say that black Americans have suffered a genocide at the hands of Planned Parenthood. That is exactly the right language that we should use. The idea that the black population would be double what it is today if it wasn't for one thing, abortion should speak volumes and it doesn't to people, right? Actually, Ye said on a podcast that that is our Holocaust. And that is correct. It is absolutely correct. And it wasn't by accident. It wasn't about women's rights and, and reproductiveness. It was because a racist designed it to make sure that individuals that she deemed to be unfit to be a part of the race, right? To, she was concerned with preserving the Nordic races. Margaret Sanger, she was a eugenicist. She believed that this was the method to do it, to encourage these people via the Negro Project, as it was known back then, to mm-hmm. murder their own offspring. And so when I look at the world today and I see Lizzo, who is an artist, who is clinically obese, another thing that is killing black America, the number one killer in America, Mm -hmm. far from what people understand, who is glorifying her obesity. And she is also posting that we should donate to Planned Parenthood because the Supreme Court struck down Roe v. Wade. What I see is the success of an avowed eugenicist and racist. This is Margaret Sanger's legacy and Lizzo represents the success of it, and it should terrify everybody. Yes. That it takes and she just was a, a hero in Nazi Germany. Oh, yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. And she, you know, loved the book at that time that was the most read book, was The Passing of the Great Race, written mm-hmm. by Madison Grant, uh, Yale and Columbia graduate who actually started the Bronx Zoo, right? That book was the most read book at that time, which basically the thesis of that book was we must preserve the Nordic races. Adolf Hitler called that book his Bible, right? That book is what inspired this movement to protect the Nordic races, inspired Planned Parenthood to go out into black neighborhoods. And that that book inspired Adolf Hitler is the reason that it is correct when Kanye calls Planned Parenthood a black Holocaust. Wow. Now, what about education? You know, I've, I've wondered about the poor state of education, particularly in the inner cities. And, uh, you know, John Adams said that our system is based upon a well-informed and educated populace. The reason he said that is because uneducated people are very easy to manipulate. And uh, you sometimes have to wonder, is it intentional, the poor standards of education? You know, you look at cities like Baltimore, where almost no one graduates from the 12th grade at, at the 12th grade level. This is really a tragedy, but it's short-sighted also because we only have 330 million people. And, uh, you know, we have to compete in the future with China and India who have three to four times that many people. We can't really afford to be throwing our people away. Well, to answer your first question, it is intentional. Of course it is. And I'd like to go back to some earlier statements you made about this replication of the plantation, right? You talked about how having black people warring is a replication of the model. I always say that we are living in a modern plantation. We just don't recognize it. An element of the plantation life for slaves was they weren't allowed to learn how to read. 
The slave codes dictated that they weren't allowed to learn how to read, and that was such a severe slave code that, in fact, if you were a slave owner and you were caught teaching a slave how to read, you too could be punished, right? So why was that so important to maintaining the slave life? Well, the answer is simple, because an educated mind can't be enslaved. Had they have picked up a newspaper, they may have read about the abolitionist movement. They may have learned that actually they did have rights, that they, that they were human beings too, that this was not the way that they should be living. When a government seeks to increase its numbers and they need to enslave the population to their belief systems, and that's exactly what our government, we have a Department of Education, which in my estimation should be abolished, is attempting to do. So what they're doing instead is they're engineering children to invest in their emotions, Mm -hmm. not logic, not any type of rationality, but emotionality all the time. This is the push for CRT, right? Learn that you should be angry and you should be black because that's how we can turn you into an activist for things that support the government causes. We don't want you to become an independent thinker. We don't want any more Candace Owens's and Dr. Ben Carson's in the world. We need you to be angry, and that is a model that is not just unique to black America, it's all of America. So it is incredibly intentional, but also, as you mentioned, short-sighted. And it's interesting, you know, before I came out as a conservative, all of these same people said, oh, what a wonderful person and a great role model for all of our children (laughs) until you become a a conservative. And then you're crazy. Mm -hmm. He's lost his mind. He's crazy. And, uh, you know, they go after people severely because they want to make examples of them with the hope that no one else will sort of wander off the plantation. Wow. And And that that label of crazy. It is highly effective. Yeah. But that label of crazy, and I want to talk about that as well, because that's been so crucial going back to Ye, is that the first thing they do is they tell him he's crazy. And he has now come out and showed that he was told that he had to say that he was crazy because he put on the MAGA hat and they said to him, you're going to lose everything. You'll lose your sponsorships. You'll lose your deals. You're not allowed to be this. You're not allowed to be a conservative thinker. So we're going to come up with a narrative for you the PR team, that you are bipolar and that you are crazy. And he did it to abide, to keep his family, to do everything that, you know, he just said, okay, I'm going to back off from politics and just say that I had an episode, first time he'd ever been called crazy. He would, he's been in the public space since 1996. The first time he's called crazy is in 2015, 2016, when he's with Trump, right? And they say it's an episode and they're going to get him back under control. And now he has to live with this constant media campaign, which... Every time he says anything that is off the reservation, they say it's because he's off of his meds. And I forgot that you, too, were called crazy, which is, I mean, you're literally a, a neurosurgeon. Like, what is that? I have to ask. This is not my interview, but what is what is that like? How does that how does that make you feel in understanding that that happens, that you just get called insane? Well, because I know why they're doing it, it, it doesn't bother me. And of course, uh, you know, my reference point is my relationship with God. So I don't really care what they have to say. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, this uh, episode is being taped on Wednesday, the 9th of November, the day after the midterms. And uh, some of the results are still pending. But uh, Candace, what are your thoughts about what just happened? You know, I think that we will just get over the finish line, which, of course, is a relief. But I think we need to have a serious conversation as conservatives about why we are just getting over the finish line. Of course, there are elements of this which has to do with the fact that I think the Democrats have won on the mail-in ballots. I think that was the point of COVID. They flood the system with mail-in ballots. I do not believe in my heart. I travel and I speak everywhere that California is that blue. I don't. Um, But, you know, Gavin Newsom has committed himself to making sure that the election process is a little shady and that they can kind of harvest these ballots and have a last minute say, what do we need to win? But that's not that's not the full picture. The other thing is that we have a bifurcated party. Right. We have a party that doesn't know whether or not it wants to move away from Trump or stay with Trump. And because of that, when endorsements split and, you, and people are going, oh, I'm going to listen to Trump because he's Trump and I want him to win again. Or people go, you know what, I'm done with Trump. It doesn't make us united. And I think that we need to have that discussion about is Trump the future of the party or was Trump a moment within the party? I had a discussion today on my podcast. I think it is incredibly difficult to suffer a defeat, especially a defeat like he did in 2020, where there's a lot of lingering questions about what role COVID played in that, what role the media played in that, and their suppression tactics, suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story. He is rightfully um, angry about what happened in 2020, and there are answers that we're probably never going to get. But is he in a space where he can move on from that anger and lead, right? And actually start to say, what are some changes that I can make? What are some things that I can do differently? Actually, where are we to say we're not in 2020 anymore? We're, we're in 2022 going into 2023. The concerns are entirely different. People are suffering at the gas pump. And so I think that we, we felt a little bit of that at the polls, that people aren't sure who the leader is of the conservative party anymore. And then beyond that, I think that We didn't spend money where we should have spent money. And even like I said, even if we get over the finish line, we still need to have a very serious discussion about why it was not a red wave like we were expecting. And it's hard to have that humility and to realize that we need to have that discussion with ourselves. But I'm willing to have it. I think that is uh, extremely insightful. And uh, you said something else that needs to be emphasized, and that is we need to have election integrity. We need to have a system that everybody trusts. Uh, if we can put a man on the moon, we can certainly come up with a system that works. And, you know, you look at some other countries like France, uh, and they're pretty liberal, i got to admit. Uh, they require uh, voter ID, and uh, they abolished uh, mail-in balloting in 1975 because they said there were just too many opportunities for cheating. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we should look at some other places and see how they've managed to do it because it's really fundamental to a democratic republic such as the one that we have to have a system 
that people actually trust. Right. And uh, if we can get to there, uh, I think many of our other problems will be resolved. But I think it's also very important that we we start thinking about the United States of America. Mm. You know, how do we unite people? We have those who are spending all their time trying to divide us on the basis of race, income, age, gender, religion, you name it, divide and conquer. And that is really the only way to bring a country that is this strong down. And we're going to have to be smarter than that. And we're going to have to make sure that we choose leaders who understand that concept as well. Right. I totally and, agree with uh, that. Before we close, I just want to ask you, you're obviously extremely smart and extremely articulate. What's next for Candace Owen? Well, you know, um, my podcast is five days a week now, so that's a very new change. Just had a second child. Um, loving being a mother. I, I think that we need more women to really lean into their femininity and to not allow the left to destroy um, our power within the household. So um, people, a lot of people ask me if I'm going to get into politics, and the truth is, is that I got into this to get into culture. And I think that those positive changes that we're seeing on the ground, that the fact that so many black Americans have changed their mind about Candace Owens means that we are definitely winning in the cultural space. You know, at least we're making gains, I should say, significant gains in the cultural space. And I want to stay within that sphere of influence at the moment. Maybe there'll be a second book. There's definitely going to be a second documentary that I'm working on, which I'm really excited about, which is going to explore feminism. I put that in quotation marks for a reason, because we know this is not feminism anymore. And yeah, I just want to keep bringing people common sense. <laughs> well, uh, you're the epitome of common sense, and uh, the Lord's going to use you mightily. And I want to thank you for being on our podcast today. Thank you for having the courage to stand up for what you believe in. It's going to make a difference for our country. Thank you so much. Such an honor to be with you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I want to thank Candace Owens. She's so thoughtful and so articulate and uh, for sharing some really wonderful thoughts. You know, as I mentioned uh, early on, as a young person, I did something a liberal is not supposed to do. I listened to a conservative, and that was Ronald Reagan. And the principles that he was espousing were the same principles that my mother was putting forth self-sufficiency, responsibility for your actions, 
developing your God-given talents to their utmost. You know, that really has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with making the most of who you are. And that's what we have to start thinking about. It's time for people to start thinking for themselves, not letting other people or political parties dictate to them, not letting the media dictate to them, doing their own research, their own fact-checking, listening to different points of view, and then activating those incredible frontal lobes to differentiate the different points Make sure you really understand what you believe and are able to defend it. And I'll tell you, it'll make a big difference in your life. And we live in in an age where all kind of information is at our fingertips. We just need to take advantage of it. And now for the prescription of the week. So often we're swayed by what other people say or the way they want us to act. We get caught up in groupthink or herd mentality. And I think that hinders our creativity and our independent thinking. So here's some tips for thinking for yourself. Be well informed. That means listening to lots of different sources, reading lots of different sources. Don't just go to one source. That will make a big difference. Listen to other perspectives. Learn to listen to people, even if you disagree with them. And if you can, get them to explain the basis of their beliefs. Take time to evaluate and reflect the pros and cons of beliefs that differ from your own. And have the courage to stand up for what you believe in. You know, a lot of people who perhaps have very good beliefs have no courage. They just stand in a corner with their head down and hope that no one calls them a nasty name. We can do better than that. We must do better than that. Thinking for yourself is not easy. It's much easier to let someone else think for you and tell you what to do. You know, that's what socialism is all about but we're not socialists, not yet, and hopefully not ever. Well, until next week, I want you to think about those things. But also, please subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts to Common Sense or to Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, make sure you never miss an episode. Remember to rate us, review us, tell your friends and family about us. Make sure that everybody is indulging in common sense. It'll make a big difference for our world. And until next week, treasure the cornerstones, faith, liberty, community, and life. We'll see you next week.